When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it, let's do it, let's get to it. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. I'm your host, John June, at JRFootballNerd on Twitter. Follow the show at FFDiagnostics on Twitter and Instagram as well. Again, we are back. Dynasty season, we're in it. Like I said last week, you know, if you hadn't heard last week's episode, go back and listen to that one. But that was rounding out the top 10 running backs. And we also had an interview with uh, my Dynasty football league mate, my brother, Randy June. And today we have an interview with another one of my Dynasty football league mates, someone you guys may all know very well. That is right, Greg Penniman. He is back like and as he would say back like he never left uh so he's coming back on today for this interview uh and actually starting next week he'll be back on um regularly so you'll get a two-man show once a week uh as as we you know ramp up into the season uh so without further ado let's jump right into the rankings so if you want to hear wide receivers one through five, you'll obviously have to go back to episode 61. That's where I covered uh, and broke down the top five rookies at each position in the Dynasty rookie class. Um, today we're going to cover wide receivers six through ten. So again, if you want to hear wide receivers one through five, you got to go back into the to the archives to listen to that episode. But starting with wide receiver six, that is going to be Jalen Rager. Uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagle wide receiver out of TCU. Well, it looks like we have an official notification here that we need to amend the rankings. Um, that's right. We're going to do a live, I guess it's semi-live, live while I'm recording it, but live on the pod, live um, updating of the wide receiver dynasty rookie rankings. Uh, Jalen Rager was wide receiver six uh, when I initially made my my list um but after doing my projections and looking at some of the first year opportunities that are going to be available to some guys and you know you guys heard me talk about Jalen Rager last week um when I spoke to Randy but um I'm gonna have to move Jalen Rager up my rankings and so I'm moving him up to wide receiver four uh, officially um so he's if, if you go back and listen to the pod you want to know who the new wide receiver five and six are you're gonna to have to go listen to that, but essentially, uh, wide receiver four is bumping to wide receiver five, and wide receiver five is not bumping to six. But Jalen Rager is gonna slot in at the four spot. I'm gonna do his breakdown now because I obviously haven't done that for you all yet. So let's just jump right into it, man. Jalen Rager, he's been on my radar for quite some time, having built my prospect model for the first time over the last few months. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the process was to kind of watch how guys' grades changed from the end of the college season to the NFL Combine to the NFL Draft. 
And Rager scored pretty well based on his college production and his his, uh, performance at the NFL Combine. Uh, Then the Eagles went ahead and drafted him in the first round, and he shot up to wide receiver three according to the model. Now, while he scored higher than guys like CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy in the model, uh, I only have him here uh, at four behind those guys because um, obviously the model can look into uh, you know, players' physical skills, their college production, and you know their draft capital, but it also can't account for things like Jerry Judy's elite route running or C.D. Lamb's elite body control, right? So, um, just one thing to know: like this thing is a tool. The model is a tool. It's not the end-all, be-all. It's not going to be, you know, whatever it spits out. I'm going to rank the players that way. Um, you guys know me. I'm not just a football person. Um, I'm not just a data person. I like to consider myself both being somebody that played the game up to Division One AA program um, and, and also now work as, as a scientist looking at data regularly for work. So um, I, I try to combine those two skills, uh, those two strengths of mine to come and bring you guys the best content that I, that I possibly can. But anyways, back to it, back to Rager. He's an explosive athlete standing at 5'11", 206 pounds with 4.47 speed and an insane 42-inch vertical jump. He suffered from terrible quarterback play, with his, which hindered his college production. Um, but now he gets a major quarterback upgrade and immediately slides in as a top target at wide receiver for Carson Wentz. He lands in a, a really good offensive scheme with Doug Peterson. Um, Jefferson, who I have a notch below Rager in the wide receiver model, would have been my preference for the Eagles, but, uh, you know, the Eagles actually, uh, if you were paying attention to the NFL draft, it was it was widely believed that Jefferson would be an Eagle, uh, but the, the selection was Rager, uh, and I do think Rager provides immediate return, um, you know, so in redraft leagues, Rager's the 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 receiver that I'm targeting of, of this rookie class, um, you know, for a couple reasons. One, his ADP is so low. Uh, relative to the class within a redraft league, um, and and two is because I think he's got the the open uh, the most open opportunity for playing time right away. Um, when you look at Alshon Jeffrey, who's coming off the Liz Frank injury, uh, he still hasn't. Uh, you know, he's still. Uh, I guess there's uh, a report recently came out uh, that he's uh, still. Uh, questionable. There, there, there's no timetable for his return yet. So, uh, if Alshon Jeffrey's at that point right now, and and it's, you know, June, um, approaching July, like, you know, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm gonna continue to scoop Rager up at his at his low price. I mean, in dynasty rookie drafts, you're paying a, you're, you're paying, uh, pretty much. Uh, market value for him he's the wide receiver three and he's going off as the eight the eighth uh, player off the board in, in one quarterback dynasty leagues so um you know it's it's he's priced appropriately in 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 those formats but uh you can't go wrong picking rager so everything is normal for this next ranking uh again rager was four uh LaVisca Chenault is going to be wide receiver seven, or he is wide receiver seven for me. Uh, LaVisca Chenault of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was made the 42nd pick, 42nd pick in the 2020 NFL draft. 
the second round wide receiver out of the University of Colorado didn't fully participate in the NFL Combine, uh, only only doing the bench press and running the 40. Uh, Chenault is 6'2", 227 pounds, and he ran a 4.58 prior to having core muscle surgery. So you imagine he actually runs faster than that 4.58. Uh, and he's 21, and he's dealt with a, a variety of injuries in college. But he's consistently displayed toughness by, by playing through most of them. Chenault filled a variety of roles for for Colorado, playing wide receiver, running back, wildcat quarterback, and sometimes even tight end. Uh, simply put, he was just a playmaker that Colorado tried to feed the ball to any way that they possibly could. In his 27 career games, he caught 149 passes for 1,943 yards. He had 10 receiving touchdowns while also running for uh, 42 times for 280 yards, which would have been good for 6.7 yards a clip, averaging or and, and also scoring seven touchdowns. Uh, the Jags have already come out and said that they they hope to do similar things with Chenault. Uh, he can give Minshew another big target to do damage after the catch and provide a nice compliment to DJ Shark and, and D.D. Westbrook. Uh, Chenault is wide receiver two this year in the model. Uh, and he's actually wide receiver five over the last three years. Uh, now, by no means is Chenault a perfect prospect. You know, he's a bit raw with his route running, but the work he does after the catch and his versatility uh, do give him a chance. And shoot, if he doesn't work out for him at, at wide receiver, then maybe they move him to running back or tight end or something. But this guy, he's definitely got all the physical tools you look for. He's going off the board as wide receiver 11. Um, so, you know, again, I have him here at seven, uh, and I'm scooping him up at any opportunity I can. I actually have a few shares, LaVisca Chenault. Um, so, you know, a guy like him, you're, you're betting on the, on the prospect that he is, right? So again, wide receiver three in the model, he, he profiles, you know, kind of similarly, uh, from a, from a, you know, body, body type standpoint, uh, height, weight, speed. Uh, to AJ Brown, uh, obviously AJ Brown ran the faster 40 at 4.49, but um, you know if you account for the fact that Chenault ran this 4.58 with a, a core muscle injury that he hadn't had surgery on yet, then um, you know I I would really look at these two prospects uh, just in terms again of, of the way that they're built, um, and you know I think Chenault can do some of those things that. A.J. Brown does after the catch. I mean, is Chenault going to have work to do as a route runner? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I, I would take him in the middle of the second round and feel extremely comfortable that I'm going to get a really good return on my investment. Next up for me, wide receiver eight. That's going to be Denzel Mims. Uh, somehow Mims fell all the way to the second round where he ends up getting scooped up by the New York Jets. Uh, I actually had Mims mocked in the first round to the Green Bay Packers at 30, um, but they traded up to 26 and, and took Jordan Love to shock the world. Uh, anyway, Mimis was one of my favorite wide receivers in the draft. He made a name for himself at the Senior Bowl uh, and did even better at the NFL Combine. At 6'3", 207 pounds, he ran 4'38 in the 40-yard dash. He jumped to 38.5 inches in the vertical jump, and he ran a devilish 6'6'6 in the three-cone which is a very good time, especially for a wide receiver of his size. Where Mims does his damage as a receiver is his ability to bully DBs in the route and make high-point catches using elite body control. 
Um, so Mims has the ability to develop into Darnold's top guy in terms of his receiving options. I just have him ranked here at eight because mainly uh, his his ranges of outcomes are too wide. Um, you know, I, I think when you have with Adam Gase being the head coach, um, you know, you really don't know who's going to be in the doghouse, who may not be in the doghouse. And while there's targets available with the departure of Robbie Anderson, um, the additions of the addition of Brashad Perriman and returning Chris Herndon could probably offset that a little bit. Uh, either way, Mims is a top wide receiver option in any in any class, especially this one. Um, but you know, he he'd be a surefire first round pick in in any dynasty rookie uh, class. But this one being so deep at receiver, he's just um, you know fallen to 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 uh the second round in most dynasty rookie drafts and don't get me wrong i mean from a from a a football perspective i love denzel mims i had him as one of the best receivers in the class uh just based off of his film and his his um his film and his college or his workouts um but again based on his situation i just have to put him here at eight um he's going off the board as wide receiver seven uh, and he's actually going off the board as a 14th player. I have zero shares of Mims, and again, it's not because I don't want any. Uh, you guys know me. I'm a huge Jets fan. I, I would have loved to get uh, some shares of Denzel Mims. It just hasn't worked out for me in any of my drafts just because you know, I like guys like LaVisca Chenault, uh, Jalen Rager, Brandon Ayuk. I like all these guys. Uh, I have all these guys ranked ahead of Denzel Mims, um, but don't count me out yet. I've still got... Uh, one or two dynasty drafts left. I'm I, I will not be shut out of the Denzel Mims market. Uh, wide receiver nine. That is going to be for me is is Michael Pittman, uh, wide receiver out of USC. He was the second round pick of the Indianapolis Colts. Pittman is a big target at six four, two hundred and twenty three pounds. He has good speed at four five two and and good leaping ability with a thirty six and a half inch vert. Uh, Pittman uses his size and well-timed jumps to high-point passes. He's a nightmare after the catch as well, as he moves so fast and fluid in the open field for a 220-pound man. Uh, He'll compete with last year's second-round pick, Paris Campbell, for snaps at wide receiver. Um, They do play a little bit different types of receivers, though. Paris Campbell, he's going to have a a, a bit of a lower average depth of target or lower dot. Um, so he's he's more of, of a closer line of, closer to the line of scrimmage kind of target, uh, where Pittman is more of your down the field kind of target. And if you actually think about the the current quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, that's Philip Rivers, and think about who all the receivers that Rivers had had with his time with the Chargers um, while they were in LA and while the time while the time where they were in San Diego, uh, he had Vincent Jackson, Malcolm Floyd, Tyrell Williams. You know, basically these were uh, long, fast, wide receivers with the ability to win 50-50 balls like 30 yards down the field. And I think Pittman brings that skill set to the table here. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Pittman involved earlier. Uh, or I mean, not maybe not earlier, but maybe in the middle of the year. Um, but I think he's one of those year one guys I think has an opportunity to um, to have useful weeks. Maybe not over the course of a season, we won't look at him and say, "Hey, he finished as, you know, inside the top 30 of wide receivers." But I think he's somebody who we'll look at 
and say he had a, a really good second of the ha- second half of the year, uh, middle to second half of the year, and um, he he is somebody that's a breakout candidate next year, right? So um, maybe not to the level of an AJ Brown because you know that dude's stock is through the roof right now. Good luck trying to buy AJ Brown in any league, um, but you know maybe something similar to a, to like a Debo Samuel where. Where he has some of those some useful weeks uh, throughout the beginning of the season, uh, and then we start to see uh, consistent production near the end of the year. Um, so, you know, I definitely like Michael Pittman a lot. Uh, I just again this receiver class being so deep, I just have all of these other guys ranked ahead of him. Um, but again, this is not do not sleep. I mean, I'm I'm no different than consensus actually, according to DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, Michael Pittman is the wide. He's going off the board as wide receiver nine. Uh, overall, he's he's going off the board as the 16th player. Um, so again, I I mean, these eight players would not have would have to not be on the board for me to get Michael Pittman. So or for me to, to draft Michael Pittman. So that's kind of where I'm at with with uh, with that. Um, and moving on to wide receiver ten. Uh, wide receiver 10, that is going to be T. Higgins of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, T. Higgins was widely expected to be a first-round pick, and then the combine happened, and Higgins didn't work out because he was quote-unquote resting. Uh, then his pro day came, and Higgins ran a mid-4.5s, which really isn't that bad, but everyone tends to run faster at their pro days. So, you know, so guy doesn't run at the combine, and he then he runs at the pro day. I'm going to dock his pro day time a little bit. And it's not just me. I mean, industry-wide, people do that all the time. Scouts do that. Um, so, you know, I I take that with a grain of salt. But the, the number that stuck out to me, uh, the alarming number here was the 31-inch vert, uh, which showed a lack of explosiveness, especially for a guy who um, you're expecting to win with his, his height and his leaping ability. Uh, if you looked at mock drafts actually back in February, a wide number of them had uh, pretty much had Higgins mocked to the Bills at 22. Everyone knew the Bills needed a wide receiver for about a month um, at that time, and people were, were mocking T. Higgins to the Bills at 22 overall. So Higgins had his pro day on March 12th. The Bills traded the 22nd overall pick for Stephon Diggs on March 16th. I wonder if the two are connected. Maybe they are. I don't know. But again, with all this said, I do believe that Higgins has a chance to succeed. He ends up in a good offense with a good quarterback and fellow rookie Joe Burrow. He's a jump ball wide receiver, as I previously mentioned, and he wins with his 6'4", 216-pound frame. He's got long arms, and he attacks the ball in the air like he's going up for a rebound. Higgins will be productive with Burrow and Zach Taylor's offense. We got we might get more production in year two as the Bengals of A.J. Green returning and Tyler Boyd as well, uh, not to mention Auden Tate uh, came along in his second season. Um, John Ross was also, you know, had his weeks as well, although the Bengals were chopping him, so who knows if he's even going to stay on the roster. Probably not. Um, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I think Higgins is talented. I just think the range of outcomes might be – uh, a bit larger, but I like his chances a lot more after he ends up with a guy like Joe Burrow. Um, you know, T. Higgins currently going off the board at wide receiver six, so again, well above where I have him ranked at wide receiver 10. 
Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to make this a redraft podcast or anything, but A.J. Green's value is super low right now. Uh, and I get it. We don't even know if he'll play 16 games, but um, I tr- I may I have I may try to do it to myself I may not but I I may you may see me go go after AJ Green and redraft this year, um, but anyway, uh, T Higgins wide receiver six too rich for my blood. Um, if it was wide receiver ten, then obviously we would be having a conversation. So my next guest is also one of my dynasty football league mates. He's also a great friend of mine, and frankly, he's not really a guest at all. It's actually. My co-host, Greg Penniman, who's with us during the redraft season full-time, but he's hashtag ball is life once the NBA and college basketball season hit full swing, which we obviously didn't get those this year. But anyways, Greg, man, how are you doing, man? Welcome back, bro. How's it going, man? How's it going? Good to be back. Uh, coming out of hibernation one time. Uh, glad to see everyone safe out here. Uh, see, good to see you safe out here. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, I'm, I've been hiding. But your boy's coming back soon. Don't worry. Sneak peek. Yes, sir. He's coming back. And uh, this time he's coming back here to talk about some Dynasty football. Like I said, one of our Dynasty football league mates here. In last week's episode, we had an interview with Randy. So if you want to go back in the archives and catch that one, um, definitely had some great conversation there about Justin Jefferson. But this time we're going to have a great conversation about Jefferson, Justin Jefferson's quarterback, who was uh, Joe Burrow, obviously, uh, who Greg picked at the 105 spot. Uh, 205, we had T. Higgins, wide receiver, with the also with the Bengals, trying to get the stack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at 305, Greg traded the 305 pick, or the, the fifth pick in the third round, that is, to, to uh, Randy, actually, for Cam Newton. Which went on to be future Pat, future Pat Cam, Cam Newton. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, at the four oh five, you you round out with Je- with uh, Van Jefferson. So Greg, mm-hmm. I I mean I, I know I'm kind of cheating here because I know f- from you know the onset that you were trying to get Joe Burrow in here, the trifecta. That's what I'm going to call him because that's right. He's a he's a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, a national champion, and the number one overall pick. It seems like. The quarterback position was a weakness for you because you actually tried to get both uh, Joe Burrow and Cam Newton in here, spending two draft picks to get both those guys in here. Those are the only two quarterbacks in in the National Football League, Greg, to have accomplished that task of winning the Heisman Trophy, become winning a national champion, and becoming the eventual number one overall pick all in the same year. That's the fact of the day. That's that's amazing. That's a, that's a, that's in deep research right there. That's a chef to the left level right there. I like that. <laughs> so, Greg, what was the thought process there with this approach with the number with with your one with your first pick in the uh, in the dynasty rookie draft? Was Joe Burrow the guy all along? Like, we have to know. Let let tell yeah. the people, man. Uh, I, I know you already know. Uh, I think anyone that was close to me or in my in my draft room knew uh, I was taking Joe Burrow since last year. The moments the, since the the off season, um, the plan to go at first, you know. Tua was, you know, initially the plan when I was looking at how my season was going. Uh, I knew I probably wasn't going to make the playoffs, but uh, that injury um, and Joe Burrow's rise, uh, I saw every game. I watched every game I could see with Joe Burrow and Tua, but definitely Joe Burrow I had my eye on as well. And yeah, once, especially in the semifinal, that performance that he put on, it was literally a video game he was playing, making them look like it was, it was like they were playing third graders. It was crazy. So I know I wanted that on my team. He has great charisma. He has great leadership qualities. 
Uh, I don't even have any notes on him. This is all from the heart. This man is going to be an amazing quarterback in the, in the National Football League. And I think he's going to be a, a, a viable fantasy quarterback to start right away. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you and I, we had this conversation earlier in the offseason. And, and I was initially, I was like, oh, you know, I don't, I, I'm not going to uh, jump in on Joe Burrow being a year one option, uh, considering, you know, rookie quarterback, number one overall pick. You know, the Bengals, they're not a great team. But then, mm-hmm. you know, I really went back, thought about, you know, the, this is a team that threw the ball 63% of the time in neutral game script. Uh, I think Joe Burrow fits into that perfectly, especially when you got an offense with Joe Mixon um, and A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. Uh, you know, so they added T. Higgins to the mix. So this is, this is a situation where I think Joe Burrow is actually in a position to succeed. I mean, the Bengals... Uh, I think the over/under on them is is five wins, uh, four and a half. Uh, so uh, they they are expected to be down in in a, in a bunch of games. So absolutely, yeah. So uh, Joe Burrow's got some upside, uh, you know. But I think it it'll be more of like a, a weekly a week to week starter more than a than a season long starter in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, definitely one of those guys we will we'll talk about on you know waiver wide pickups and you know uh, sleeper starts of the week. Uh, Joe Burrow's name will definitely pop up. Maybe, hopefully, I think a ceiling would be nice, like Daniel Jones' performances that you know he put up last year. Got you in a, a QB five week and up some weeks. Yeah, I think those are definitely in the cards for for Mister Joe Cigar Smoking Burrow over mm-hmm. there. Burrow. Um, all right. <laughs> so, Greg, what was the overall strategy coming into the rookie draft, and and did you feel like you like you executed that plan? So. Coming into the draft, you know, when you're talking about my roster, just a lot of <clears throat> roster construction. You have to look at that when you're uh, very ahead in Dynasty League. So Ben Roethlisberger, he's uh, 38 uh, or in his high 30s. He's always injured. Uh, you, I'm pretty sure he hasn't played a 16-game season uh, in a very long time. So uh, I got to look at that, the future there. So I knew quarterback was going to be an option. Uh, my other quarterbacks, Mitchell Jabisky, who I took a couple years ago, you know, I thought he was going to be, I guess, my Joe Burrow, you know, someone that's going to, I'm going to come in. I didn't take him with my number one overall pick in the rookie draft. I got him in the free agent draft. <laughs> but, you know, after... Start, his, I believe it was a, a fourth round pick. Yeah. Right yeah, before it, the free agent draft. But yeah. after the second year season, you know, I thought it had some promise for him to take the, the keys to the franchise. Um, and that, you know, was absolutely wrong. Um, you know, as we saw, I don't think he's going to be the guy there. Um, I don't know. He might not even make a full season. Nick Foles is behind him and a proven quarterback. So that right there is you know two reasons why I was looking for quarterback. And I knew I wanted to take you know the top college quarterback coming out. Um, I thought maybe he could have. I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably would have. Man, I actually know he wouldn't have been there probably in round two because John Frenner took Tua at the end of the first round. So I think I had to pull the trigger on this and take Joe Burrow. Oh, well, we, we got a live look into the Gotham Dark Knights uh, draft room from that day, actually. And, and word is that, you know, owner John June uh, would have selected Joe Burrow with the number 10 pick. He did, have, he, did have, he did have two, two oh, first round man. picks. Oh, man. Two first round picks. That is great insight to hear much. after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and this is I, I have I have Deshaun Watson, I have Sam Darnold, I have Gardner Minshew, but Joe Burrow that would have been a chip that I could not pass up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and 
I have Mason Rudolph on my team. He's just a backup. Uh, this is yeah. This is the this was the time for me to get it. Cam Newton. I'm you know we're in a wait and see mode, so I can't rely on that. I have to take Joe Burrow, and he's uh, with Ben there. I mean, I can't rely on him. Maybe he if he don't start right away, but. You know, rookie of the year. There are incentives in our dynasty league, uh, thanks to the good commissioner John June. So I might have to start Joe Burrow to start. Yeah, I mean, and what Greg is alluding to there, we do have um, an offensive rookie of the year award, where the highest offensive uh, rookie player uh, will receive you a monetary bonus at the end of the season. So uh, it's a it's an incentive for you to continue to to try to find every edge to be the best you can be in this league. Um, so somebody who, Greg, I'm sure you're hoping is if Joe Burrow doesn't win the Offensive Rookie of the Year, then oh, hopefully man. it's this guy. Yes, sir. Um, don't know how that's possible with Joe Burrow throwing him the rock, but uh, <laughs> is <laughs> is T. Higgins somebody that you know, you're know you most excited about after, after, after Joe Burrow? Yes, definitely. So, you know, on my board, I had – T. Higgins right around where he got drafted to right after Henry Ruggs. I was going to take him if it wasn't, but I got sniped for Henry Ruggs. But after seeing uh, T. Higgins, I knew much about him, knew a little about him in Clemson. Uh, and then after I watched some film, oh, man, this man is a jump ball specialist, man. He, he attacks the ball at the peak point. Uh, it was amazing to see him, like, play through defenders. He got a lot of contact. You know, I like my receivers, so it, right away – uh, those guys that are, like use the athleticism to go get it, uh, that's amazing. He's 6'4", 216, so that's what's up. Uh, I like that, the size. I think that would be good for Joe Barrow in the red zone, especially for those fade routes and everything. It's going to be dope. Uh, and then, But he also, you know, he has other routes in his game, like the slant route. He has, like, a little – he doesn't, like, run fast. He, like, gallops and, like, glides, bro. It's so so <laughs> I, I, like, I like how his speed is sneaky fast, so – He's physical, so I think he'll get past defenders and he'll get a lot of yak. So T. Higgins impressed me with his tape, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Got the the future stack of the Cincinnati Bengals, baby. Let's go. Yeah, man. I I mean T. Higgins definitely a talented talented player. Um, actually, you know uh, everyone that's listening to this interview is probably gonna hear the breakdown of T. Higgins. Uh, which Greg, you might as well have just done the breakdown because I don't think they'll be able to tell the difference. Um, but T. T Higgins, I mean, coming into year one, I mean, what do you think the ceiling is for? Or I mean, yeah, what, I mean, guess we, I guess we kind of understand what the ceiling could be with AJ Green, his injury concerns and whatnot. Right. right. Um, but I guess looking at it from the glass half empty point of view, where do you do you? think that there's a possibility or what do you think the chances are that he doesn't have a role in year one because he does have AJ Green ahead of him there is Tyler Boyd Auden Tate had a pretty good year in his second season uh John Ross is still yep. on this roster yep. I don't know how he still is on this team but he is <laughs> so um Speed do you see do you see a a a potential roadblock for T Higgins here definitely um absolutely you know receivers uh in this with some depth uh Auden Tate he played very well he you know he was consistent in his starts uh Tyler Boyd took that leap I think um uh, which they you know Cincinnati Bengals expected but you know coming into it T Higgins gets that AJ Green kind of player comparison and I think I, especially not for you know if you don't see it in year one you definitely see that in year two because I'm pretty sure AJ Green's not going to be a Cincinnati Bengal after this year I think that T Higgins with this talent will step up at, at the very least in year two um worst case scenario 
to take a, a leap to be, you know, a wide receiver three, um, wide receiver two threat in some weeks. Yeah, no, I, I, I can definitely get get behind a year two leap for T. Higgins, especially when you combine that with a year two leap for, for Joe Burrow. Um, I mean, it's funny because these guys played against each other in a national championship, LSU against Clemson, and now they're teammates. So uh, I'm sure that'll be something fun for them to, to talk about over the, over the years to come. Yeah. Greg, moving forward on to the, uh, I guess, outside of your own picks, which picks did you actually like the most? Uh, definitely, you know, the Henry Ruggs pick. I really like that. I think he, out of the, you know, top couple two, like Jerry Judy and outside of that, I think he was my favorite receiver, um, especially uh, I love my Bama receivers. So um, his, his speed and his, you know, also his ability, his athleticism was uh, nice with that. I love the Tua pick um, by John Frenna at the end of the round one. Um, that was a good pick, I believe. Uh, I think Tua is just going to be just as talented as Joe Burrow. Might I think it'll take maybe a little longer, maybe a year longer, but I think he's going to be just as good. And Miami has, a, I think, a well built organization growing there so uh i believe in him uh i think those two isaiah simmons you know going pretty early um it's a good defensive pick uh and you know he went the middle around two i believe yeah yeah that's right that's right um yeah so he's a very talented player uh i kind of wish that the giants took him in the first round but I like where we went offensive line. But if we weren't going to go there, Isaiah Simmons was the guy. He's a very talented defensive player. He's going to be all around. Um, yeah, so those those picks stood out to me a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, if you haven't heard, if you, if you don't know, um, th- this league that we're in, it's a one quarterback, uh, but it's it's full IDPs. So we start 11 defensive players, uh, three, three, uh, two to four defensive line two to three defensive linemen, uh, four to seven line, or, wow, I can't even, I don't even know how the lineup is. Uh, but it's essentially we start 11 defensive players. <laughs> so uh, um, so you, if you hear us talk about defensive players or guys that you probably didn't didn't hear about or see on the top uh, offensive player skill position list, then, then don't be confused. But, uh, yeah, the Isaiah Simmons pick was definitely interesting to me. Um, the one that I thought was the most interesting outside of that, actually, was the Chase Young pick, which – Again, That's happened right. by the same team, Nim and Mig. Yep. Uh, they 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 came in. They acquired this team. They they essentially decided that they didn't need any help on offense. Their offense was set. They were just going to attack uh, the defense. And, and you know what? If I had Patrick Mahomes as my dynasty quarterback and Tom Brady as my backup and Drew Brees as my third string, I'd probably feel really good about my offense too. Yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> they come in. They attack. They attack the defensive. Uh, just the defense in general. Uh, they they take Chase Young in the first round, so uh, I thought that was really interesting. What did you think of that one, Greg? Yeah, I mean, the offensive moves going going defensive moves with that roster offensively. Yeah, you would have, you kind of maybe expected a little bit. I know Nim personally, he he's de- definitely likes the defensive players. I think uh, a lot of people coming into Dynasty knew like they they are excited about that. I, I was especially when I got T.J. Watt a couple years ago. Like, um, it's just, yeah, uh, you get excited about taking defensive players and finding that next, uh, you know, Aaron Donald and uh, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the pick. Um, it's different. I think, you know, changing a little bit uh, standards of, like, where players go and ADP. So, uh, it's it's cool. Um, and But, you know, I, though one of those receivers would have been so juicy just to take right there. 
I mean, I, I felt like almost like we did a like a body snatchers thing, Greg, where I was just drafting all these receivers. Cause, I, know. I know. Or maybe you were drafting for me. I have no idea. But um, I was in love with this receiver class. I had to get my hands on as many of them as I could get. Uh, but Chase Young was definitely someone who was on my radar. Uh, I think this guy's, you know, from everything I've, I've heard, everything I've read, everything I've seen, like in terms of his actual film, this guy is going to be a star in the league. They say he's better than both Nick and Joey Bosa when they came out of Ohio State. Um, and he's more athletic than they are. So, you know, this guy, that you know, he's getting compared to Julius Peppers. Um, so, you know, this guy is going to be an absolute star, especially uh, on this Washington Redskins defensive line, which don't let people fool you. It's absolutely loaded, that defensive line. They've got Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, uh, Matt Ioannidis. They've, they've got uh, Ryan Kerrigan, who's been there for a long time. So now you add Chase Young, um, you know, spoiler alert, Washington Redskins defense. You know how, Greg, I never draft a defense in any league. Mm-hmm. I will pick up Washington Redskins defense oh, week man. one. You heard it here first. <laughs> That's where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> They're oh, going to be completely there for me. And, you know, maybe we follow the Reds, the uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Defensive start uh, of the week. Niners model. I already see it. Week one start. Yep. There, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think they play the Eagles, so I, maybe I won't do that right off the bat. But uh, we'll we'll have to we'll have to see. But definitely they're going to be on my radar. Um. So you know, Greg, what, who are some guys that I guess were drafted in the mid to late rounds that we're going to look at one to two years from now and say, you know, the, hey, these guys were the steals of this of, of the dynasty rookie draft. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk for sure. Like this man is about to step in. Right now in year one and put in immediate production with the San Francisco 49ers. Placement is just perfect for him. 49ers, again, they know how to use uh, team skill sets and their teams, I mean, players' abilities, like, to to their full skill set. So I think Brandon Oak is going to, you know, be there. Debo Samuel, uh, he's hurt, so... Uh, Manuel Sanders no longer on the team. It's Brandon Ayuk uh, and that that running front. So they're gonna have him do all the jet sweeps, the slants, the deep goes. Uh, he's gonna be everywhere. So I, I like that at two hundred one for sure. He might be you know the top receiver coming out. Actually now with all these receivers, fantasy wise, I think he might produce number one. Yeah, I mean uh, I actually so I, uh, I did recently adjust my rankings. Uh, the, Brandon Ayuk, I moved him actually. In terms of as a dynasty wide receiver, I moved him uh, down to to wide receiver five, actually. Uh, I moved Jalen Rager up ahead of him to wide receiver four. Uh, And the reason I did that is because, obviously, if you heard last week's episode, uh, I think Rager has the easiest potential for year one production. Obviously, I felt that way before Debo Samuel suffered the injury, uh, the Jones fracture, which will keep him out uh, somewhere between... Uh, 10 to 12 weeks depending on uh, what you read or who you listen to you know but yeah so you know Debo Samuel obviously being injured on the shelf for quite some time Brandon Ayuk you know he slides into a role I I don't know uh, you know how much they'll put on his plate Uh, maybe uh, I did did make a speculative dynasty selection i'm in a dynasty startup right now and i'm in the 17th round and i selected antonio brown oh um there are a couple teams i did that always rumbling every day is a new team i feel like every day uh today it was the ravens Ravens, and the uh ravens and who was the other team uh they escaped me right now 
Uh, but either way, there were two teams that were potentially interested, that could be potentially interested in Antonio Brown down the line. Uh, you know, as soon as Debo Samuel got hurt, the first name that popped into my mind was Emmanuel, was uh, Antonio Brown, just because, um, you know, if you look at what's who's available, it's, you know, guys like Des Bryant, they had just, you know, they let Emmanuel Sanders walk. Um, you know, there's not really a ton of guys oh, out man. there on the street that you could bring in. Just call uh, it a Super Bowl rematch right now if they get A.B., man. <laughs> be crazy. So, yeah, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk, he's definitely somebody that uh, I think highly of. Uh, he's the number one wide receiver in my model for the 2020 uh, wide receiver class. Uh, and, you know, Kyle Shanahan thinks very highly of him. And you know how much I love Kyle Shanahan. So you just this is just the perfect, the perfect uh, blend. You got the number one wide receiver in my model. Ending up with Kyle Shanahan, that's got to be a matchup for fantasy success. Uh, I thought so highly of of Brandon Ayuk actually that C.D. Lamb, my number one wide receiver, was sitting there on the board for me at one ten. <laughs> that I accepted a trade package of two hundred one and three hundred one, uh, and I was sending. I think I sent back four hundred eight uh, for for uh the you know for the right to draft cd lamb so uh and with those picks i obviously took brandon Ayuk at 201 and then with the 301 i took uh patrick queen Queen. so greg what do you think about that about that move and that selection of patrick queen at 301 yeah i remember telling you i think you know just getting two versus one right away that's uh important right there and in the dynasty league uh patrick queen uh, he has, you know, defensive rookie of the year potential. So that's something incentive right there. I think he could, he will produce uh, right away, especially in, in you know in that Ravens tough defense using the middle linebacker. Uh, and you know, Brandon Ayuk, uh, as far as production, you can you know say he might have comparable stats to Ceedee Lamb. So that right away with the additive uh, production of Patrick Queen, I think that's a, a good deal in my my book. Up, oh, Greg's Greg's math is is usually right, and in this case, uh, two is greater than one, <laughs> and uh, I get all those fantasy points. No, but in all honest, in all honesty, in all seriousness, uh, obviously, as we mentioned, it is an IDP league. I I did have Luke Keekley who went up and retired. Um, he's not coming back, Ooh. so I needed to fill this hole that I had. Um, and Patrick Queen, I, I even went into the draft telling myself I would not draft a defensive player in the rookie draft. Um, I left with two defensive players in the rookie draft. <laughs> it's all Nimmin um, makes for man, taking all these players. Yeah, I mean, taking all the defensive players, I mean, um, you know, pull, pulling guys off the board. I mean, but what, what really happened, I think what really happened for me there was I, I had traded some traded out of some spots and I had traded some players away to acquire some more picks, um, which then opened up, allowed me the flexibility to add these defensive players that I didn't want to add. Um, but yeah, you know, always trying to, to add good football players. That's that's the goal. That's the objective. Absolutely. Um, so, Greg, I mean, the 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 outlook of the Bronx Elite right now, your dynasty team, it's 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 a uh, you know you you kind of you you were you took a team that was bad, you mm-hmm. took it to the to the finals mm-hmm. where you 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 lost valiantly against me. That's true. Yep. Um, it's your your a nice year two leap. I want to say. <laughs> it was a very nice two-year leap, um, but then you you ended up back down in the shadows again, two years in a row now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So you know what's what's next for you guys? Like I mean, who who are the who are the heavy hitters? Oh, well, we made the playoffs last year. Okay, Lurst in the first round, and now and then this year. No, no, two years ago. Sorry, and then last year it was horrible, horrible. Oh. Okay, you made the playoffs la- the year before yeah, loss yeah, in the first yeah, yeah. round. Okay, yeah. so I'm, my bad, I slighted you. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> oh, also, also, so, let's talk about the steal of the draft. <laughs> Greg Penniman's pick, Van Jefferson, though. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No, we yeah. have to talk about that one. Yeah. yeah we have yeah, to yeah. talk about that one. You get Van Jefferson at 405, and, and I told you at the time, if you get Van Jefferson at 405 today. People are just going to look at your league mates like they're stupid. <laughs> they have no idea what's going on. Uh, how do you let Van Jefferson get to 405? But back when we did this draft, back in in the second week of May, um, there was a – I told you about it. There was – you know, it was a thing on Twitter where people were just tweeting how late they were getting Van Jefferson. Crazy. And if you don't know anything about Van Jefferson, he's a second-round pick out of uh, the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um he was the Rams made him a second round pick. Actually, um, he was touted as one of the best route runners in this 2020 draft class. And if it wasn't for Jerry Judy, some say he would have been the best route runner in this cl- in this draft class. And you even have some people, fraction of them on Twitter, who believe that Van Jefferson is a better route runner than Jerry Judy. Ooh. So. All this being said, I, I do think Van Jefferson is what we call a steal. I mean, he's 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 going to an offense with Sean McVay, where we know they historically, uh, under Sean McVay, put up a ton of points, whether it's through the air or through the run game. So you know Van Jefferson, he's got to be involved. My only question here is last year we saw the rise of Tyler Higbee, uh, and that was due apparently to a lot of the, the Rams running a, a ton of 12 personnel, meaning one running back, two tight ends, as opposed to their 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end. Uh, The difference between 11 and 12 is the number of receivers that you then will have on the field, right? In 11 personnel, you're going to have three receivers. In 12 personnel, you're only going to have two receivers. So if the Rams stick and, you know, their offense was much better down the stretch after shifting to a predominantly 12 personnel offense. And... Um, I guess the question here is, if they stick with that, what's the role then for Van Jefferson in year one? Because you've got Cooper Cup there, you've got Robert Woods, mm-hmm. um, who obviously those two guys are, are the go-to guys. And even Cooper Cup, you know, his 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 uh, values uh, at a question right now too, because hit most of his receptions and his fantasy points came from playing out of the slot last year. And if you're not in twelve, if you're in twelve personnel, not in eleven. You know, there's no slot wide receiver per se. So, does where does Cooper Cup fit in all this? So, I mean, what's your what's your take there, Greg? I know I just threw a lot at you, but no, nah, that was that was very well said. I think that you know wrapped up Van Jefferson. That was it was beautiful. Like I think, yeah, looking at his tape, I checked it out after because yeah, the 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 hype that you put in, I was like, yeah, now nah, I gotta check this man out. And what what, <laughs> what impressed me was yeah, his his presence on the field was really good, but yeah, his footwork that was the one thing I saw. That man's footwork was crazy. Oh man, and they had a uh, you know him. He started at Ole Miss. It was it was there too. You saw it. It was evident before he got to Florida. So yeah, but yeah, the Rams' offense situation is going to be very interesting this year because they do like Tyler Hillebilly and they also love Gerald Everett. They want to all stay. Sean McVay talks about getting him involved more. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they use all these players. But it was another rock roster construction move incentive for me because I also have Josh Reynolds on this team on my roster. So 
that I think both of those guys, him and Van Jefferson, will be fighting for that number three receiver spot. And then I think he's more of a maybe year two guy. But if he can, you know, beat out Josh Reynolds for the spot, either one is a win situation for me. Uh, and then I think they'll get time on the field, especially with Cooper Cups. Uh, time also being pulled back a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely curious to see how this works out. And, yeah. you know, maybe I've got to d- dive deeper into Van Jefferson because I kind of had him profiled as a slot receiver. So when they drafted him, I was like, well, why did they do that? They have Cooper Cup. Um, so maybe I'm wrong in that. Maybe, you know, Van Jefferson is not a slot only wide receiver. So, you know, I'll dive deeper into that and check that out. But, um, you know, this Rams, this Rams team, man, I mean, I hate to say it, but you know who my guy is? <laughs> Who's your guy? <laughs> it's Robert Woods, bro. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's I'm back. I'm 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 back. Like as you would say, back like I never left, back bro. Back like you never left. Yeah, I mean Robert Woods. That, that's that's all consistent right there. Except for last year. Except for last year, yeah. Except for last year. <laughs> if wait, hold on. I think the people need to understand, Greg. Two years ago, you loved. No, two years ago, three years ago, for two years in a row. Yeah, when he was in Buffalo, Robert Woods. <laughs> hey, bars, <laughs> you you loved Robert Woods, loved him. Last year, you wanted you wouldn't touch that guy with a ten foot pole in my fantasy lineup. So, <laughs> are you coming around to Robert Woods this year? This this whole the how we were talking like the offensive sets. I think. For him, it comes down to targets, uh, which he, I feel like he did get still last year. It just didn't connect. And it was more, I think, mm-hmm. on Jared Goff and his performances that didn't help the offense as a whole. But it's easy to get, you know, Cooper Cup in the middle of the field when he's, you know, just blindly open running down the seam route. So uh, I think, you know, Jared, Jared Goff will maybe improve a little bit more with his chemistry with Robert Woods because it's there. We've seen it. We know what it's capable of. Robert Woods should be a strong wide receiver, too, every week getting seven to nine targets a game and getting you, like, 11 to 12 fantasy points. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> so, I need that. I'm um, hoping hoping to see that, I think. Uh, but Tyler Higby, I think, will emerge. So, he's going to he's gonna eat from either Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. It's going to happen. Yeah, so, I mean, Robert Woods right now, I mean, if you look at the 10-game the, the stretch that they had where Robert Woods, because during the back half of the fantasy season, Robert Woods was killing it he was on he was on another he was on a roll um but if you looked at that back half of that season he was on pace for 28 percent target share now i'm not gonna i'm not projecting him for a 28 percent target share uh, i've got him just north of 20 uh, just around 23 percent mm-hmm. so that's 100 that'll give him 122 targets with how many pass plays i got the rams projected for so 122 targets um you know 79 grabs I'll I'll take it to be honest. I mean Robert Woods right now he's going uh, fourth fifth round. Uh, just actually Cooper Cup's going slightly ahead of him. So yeah, I mean I'm 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 buying into Robert Woods, especially because we're paying a cheaper price this year than we paid last year. Yeah, cheaper price. Um, so I think you know there's some upside there. Uh, I I think I mean I still would take you know Robert Woods. Think Cooper Cup because that the way Cooper Cup it, it scared me his usage so I think I'm gonna take <laughs> oh, fell off the cliff yeah I don't like he that I don't know if cliff. I like that so I'm, I'm <laughs> still take Robert Woods as the receiver of choice in my book but do you like the number one receiver in fantasy Greg 
Because that's what Cooper Cup was for he the was. first eight he was. weeks of the I season. Know. I know. And he, was, <laughs> he was that before he tore his ACL two years ago, too. Yeah. Crazy. He was number two behind Adam Thielen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I, I think second half is when you – that's money time. That's playoff time. So, he hasn't been there the last two years, and it's – I need those Aaron Jones, you know what I'm saying? You know, those people that come through. Oh, uh, come through. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so one one last thing I'm gonna leave you here on, and then and then we're gonna gonna let you go. But uh, someone who I know was polarizing for us last year, but he's on your dynasty team, T.J. Hawkinson. He's yes. he's getting popular pub out there as a as a breakout late round tight end. We saw the the glimpse in year one, or in week one rather, uh, but then he just disappeared on us, and then. He was uh, banished to the IR with with injury. So what are we what are we thinking about TJ Hawkinson? Is there a year two leap or are are you uh, are you skeptical? Uh, you know I I think rookie rookie tight ends that's you know the what you are usually are going to get historically that's how it's always been uh, with rookie tight ends. Um, so it was you know it was actually surprising when it was happening to see him start off that well. So. It was, I, I think, you know, he came back to earth, but he, he did have some games where he just was non-existent. So that was a little scary. But I think with Matt Stafford being healthy, hopefully he's healthy. It does definitely help TJ Hawkinson. So I think that kind of plays hand in hand a little bit. Um, I think uh, he's just too talented of a tight end to for them not to use him. I know Detroit, you know, they've always been looking for uh, a good tight end to use. They got Eric Ebron. They spended a second or first round pick for him. So before Hawkinson, so I, I know they, they want to init- use uh, a tight end in offense, so um, we'll see. I know they'll be running the ball a lot too, uh, but I think they'll have TJ Hawkinson out there. All depend on Matt Stafford's self too, though. Yeah, no, I totally I, I love your analysis right there, Greg, because that was a great point about TJ Hawkinson being a rookie tight end because if he doesn't have that week one, well, we just look at TJ Hawkinson like, oh, maybe he'd be a really good you know year two tight end. Yeah, because we'd be banking on the first round draft capital and uh, the athleticism that he had coming out of the uh, out of the University of Iowa. Um, but you know, we have this bad taste in our mouth because he had this phenomenal week one where he went five for eighty eight and a touchdown, and he's the number one pick on waivers, and everyone's going crazy, and he doesn't do anything. But what if I told you sixteen weeks later that that week one game was against Arizona? Does it make yep. more sense now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't remember one thing from fantasy last year, it was Arizona against Titans. <laughs> <laughs> so, all that being said, I think TJ Hawkinson is still in play for a year two leap. Um, I mean, am I banking on it? No. It, I mean, I have not gotten one share of TJ Hawkinson in any of the drafts. In any of the drafts that I've done, but um, yeah, you know, I, I, and that's pro- that's just because of the guys I like on the board at the time. But yeah. Yeah, I think I, you know, I lean to other second, like Noah Fant, I would probably put over him. Um, yeah, I have Noah Fant over him, too. Yeah. Uh, trying to think of another second-year tight end, but I think there's another, also another one. Like Tyler, Tyler Higby, was he a rookie, rookie last year? <laughs> oh, Tyler Higby's like 27. Oh, well, he's old. <laughs> oh, Jay, is it Jay Sternberger? Oh, yeah, Jay Sternberger, who I also have rostered. I think I would yes. still take TJ Hawkinson, but... We'll see. Jay Sternberger, the opportunity is there for him at Green Bay. Opportunity is there for him with Green Bay. He's playing with um, 
you know, Aaron Rodgers, so that's always good. And they didn't add anything by way of receivers, and they got rid of Jimmy Graham. So, um, I mean, it's either going to be Alan Lazard or Jimmy Graham that's going to be a secondary (laughs) receiving option to to, to Devontae Adams. I mean, is it going to be Devin Funches? No. He's going to get hurt in training camp. He's not not making it to be good. Yeah, so I mean, we'll see. Um, we'll most definitely see. I think I would probably bank on on Hawkinson over Spur- Sternberg just because of the athleticism. And the guy's name is Sternberg. Like, am I really gonna put that in my fantasy lineup confidently? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you know. I don't know. He's like, yeah, it's like that guy on the court. You see, like this guy, like he's gonna drop buckets of you. Like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Oh, man. All right, Greg. Well, you know, it was great to have you back. Uh, you know, I think this is the time where you tell the people yourself that you're coming back. So, oh, you Greg, know. when can we expect you back? You already know. We're going to be back. We're going to have a little July July 4th weekend special uh, for the people. Um, so, uh, stay tuned, folks. Yes, sir. That's it. You heard it from the man himself, the man, the myth, the legend, G-Money, Greg Penniman. He is coming back starting July, so we will still be once a week for the month of July, and we'll we'll ramp up as we get closer to redraft. But we're hey, we're we're Dynasty, we're here now. We're leaving it. We're still in it because obviously Dynasty is all year long, but now we're gonna start shifting that focus to redraft. So um, again, Greg, thanks for coming on. I don't really feel like I have to thank you though because this is partially you know your gig, but you know. But I'll thank you anyway because I appreciate your company. It's been oh, nice, yeah, it's yeah. nice, it nice having you to be in that like talking you know, to you. the non-host role for once. You know, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, most definitely, brother. Well, uh, guys, thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, please uh, hit subscribe. Continue to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FF Diagnostics. And guys, thank you for listening. Absolutely love you guys and have a good one. Yeah.